Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Fearless. I'm glad you are with me today and glad you're listening. You know, one of the things I love is having special guests where I get to have conversations with them here on the podcast and I get to share that with you. Well, today I personally think we have one of the most special guests. That's because he's pretty special to me. That's my dad, Franklin Graham. And I recently just sat down with my dad. He and I just got back from the United Kingdom and I'm going to ask him what's going on in his ministry, especially as we face opposition in the UK right now at the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. And we'll also talk about the second uh, anniversary of the passing of my grandfather, Billy Graham. So that's a lot of ground to cover, and we'll jump right into it. And I can't wait for you to hear what my dad has to say. So recently, I've been able to travel with dad a little bit more than normal. My dad just wrapped up his Decision America tour in Florida. I live in Florida. He ended in Fort Myers, which is where I live. So that was pretty special. But I just last night got back from the United Kingdom with my dad. My dad has a tour there in May and June this year. He's doing, are you doing six or seven cities, dad? I think we're doing eight. Eight cities. We're doing eight cities. But just recently, we have had opposition against Dad in the UK and our venues that we had contracts for him to hold his meetings, pulled out the contract. So with Dad, I asked if I could go with him to the UK. Because what I like about going in those situations is you get to see God work in ways that you kind of wonder. We haven't dealt with opposition quite like this before. Um, You get to realize it's nothing what we do, but it's what God does. So, Dad, explain to us and those who are listening who are not aware of what's happening in the UK. Well, in the UK, the um, uh, the LGBT movement they have come out against our tour because I have said that uh, homosexuality is a sin, and it's not that I say that. This is what God says. God says it's sin, but at the same time, I say we're all sinners. And it's not just them, but it's every last one of us has sinned before God. We've broken his laws. We've broken his standards. So they have, they take that uh, very well. They're offended. They take it personally. And I try to tell them that God loves us and that Christ died for our sins. But they went to the venues and got the venues uh, to cancel the contract, saying that I would be bringing hate speech and uh, that uh, I would be disrupting the community. Uh, There are some liberal bishops that uh, agreed and came out and wrote letters against us. So all of that has taken place, but we have to reschedule different venues if we can in these cities. It's not going to be easy, especially since we have such limited time. But I think, Sissy, the, the main thing is we don't compromise the gospel. Uh, Jesus Christ is God's Son who came to this earth to take our sins, and He died and shed His blood for our sins. We're all sinners. We've all come short of God's glory. The penalty of sin is death. And I want to warn people of the consequences of sin. So uh, we're going to go ahead with the tour and go to as many of the cities that we possibly can, rescheduling the dates 
would be difficult because we already have not only the contracts that we had with the venues, but we have musicians, um, bus companies, people that are responsible for your sound, and um, those types of things have already been signed. So if we have to change the dates and cancel the contracts with those people, it gets very complicated. So we're trying to shoot for the same dates so that uh, we don't have conflict with our artists that have already scheduled to come. You take a group like the Planet Shakers coming all the way from Australia, and then if we have to change those dates, then maybe they can't come and we still have to pay the hotels and so forth. But uh, we're, we're trying to work that out. I think probably the good thing in all of this, Sissy, is the publicity that this has created. Um, the churches that are for us are, are really strong now uh, for us. Other churches are coming online. We had about 400 new churches sign up just in the last couple of weeks. So uh, there are positive things that are taking place. Uh, Ethel Waters once told my father where he was discouraged about uh, a particular city where he didn't think it was going to go well. She just reminded him that God doesn't sponsor any flops. And that's true. God doesn't sponsor flops. So I think the key to all of this is prayer, getting people to pray. Um, Anytime you have an evangelistic campaign, whether it's here or the UK or wherever we're going, it's prayer. And if we don't bathe it in prayer, it's it's just not going to work. You have to pray. The people that uh, we're going to have to pray. Our team has to pray. And if we pray, then God will work out the, the, the rest of it. But we had a great trip, had a chance to do some media, had a chance to talk to a group of pastors. And uh, they are there behind it. So I'm excited. I think it's uh, going to go well. But it, anytime there's um, a challenge... It just makes you realize, I think we're doing the right thing simply because uh, if uh, we have opposition. If we didn't have opposition, then maybe maybe we're not doing it right. But we've got a lot of opposition, and we're going to have some great opportunities to preach uh, this, this year in the U.K. And I would encourage people just to pray for us uh, as we get ready to go. For people who face opposition, especially when we were there, we got to meet with pastors. As you mentioned, you had a luncheon with over 100 pastors who came and wanted to hear your heart of why you are coming to the UK and get to know the Franklin Graham, maybe not the Franklin Graham that their media has painted and their tabloids have painted. What did you say to those pastors to encourage them who might be facing opposition? Well, I wanted them first just to remind them why we're coming. It's to preach the gospel. You know, I think in the UK, they're concerned about uh, relationship with Donald Trump. And I told them, you know, I don't uh, work for his administration. I, I don't campaign, but um, I believe that if, if the president succeeds, it's good for all of us. And I just explained that, you know, support uh, the things that he's doing uh, to, to help our country. I don't agree with everything he says or everything he does, but I certainly support him on the things that re- relate to us as Christians. Uh of life, uh, and he has been the strongest president in our lifetime on that issue. Uh, certainly, uh, uh, supporting more religious freedom issues, and our tour to the UK, where we're being challenged right now. This is a freedom of religion issue. We we're, we're being stopped, or they're trying to stop us because of our faith, and it's also a free speech issue. And the president's very strong on these issues. Of course, in the UK, we're under a different set of laws there, but. Um, we, we certainly appreciate, and I told them, the president stand on these issues. I think the pastors didn't realize that, uh, how strong President Trump is on 
these issues that they hear about, uh, his affairs and Stormy Daniels and these kinds of things from the media. And I remind them, these are things that happened 15, 20 years ago. This isn't something that is currently part of his life. And, uh, and I just think that um, they, all they hear is just liberal media. And, of course, um, we, we have to deal with that. But at the same time, uh, I want them to know, as an American, you know, I, I support my president where I can. And what would you say, even for people here in the United States, we see court cases uh, that continue to happen that are being Christians whose religious freedom is being oppressed and that are facing a little bit of opposition. I would say the number one thing I've learned from you is to never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when faced with opposition, you don't back down one inch. And how do you encourage people with that? Well, first of all, I think I think in answering this, Sissy, let me broaden it just a little bit. I think it's important uh, that we understand who we vote for in an election. Because um, you hear people talk about the separation of church and state. Well, okay, fine. I, I understand that. And what that was all about was instead of having a, a state-sponsored religion, that's what that is for. It doesn't mean we don't get involved in politics as Christians. Uh, we need the Christian voice in politics. We need Christians on city council. We need Christians on the school boards. We need Christians in the state house. We need Christians uh, in Washington as senators and Congress uh, people. We, we need Christians because if we don't have Christians uh, and the Christian voice, uh, we're going to be just pushed into a closet eventually. And so I would encourage people to, first of all, know who you vote for and, uh, and then get people to run, uh, get Christians to run. If there's a Christian running for a political seat somewhere in your community, maybe it's a city council, maybe it's a mayor or whatever, uh, get behind them and vote for them. Uh, we need Christians, again, at every level of government. But I would encourage Christians, you have to have a thick skin because you're going to be criticized. If you, if you take a public office, you're going to be criticized. You better have a thick skin and be willing to take it. And remember, Jesus was criticized. Uh, they cursed him. They made false accusations about him. And they eventually they nailed him to a tree. But he willingly went to the cross to take our sins. They, they, he could have stopped it at any point if he wanted to. But he allowed that to happen so that he would take our sins so that we could have eternal life because we cannot pay the debt of sin. He had to pay it on our behalf. And I just uh, think we need to be firm. We need to be nice, but not to back up. And we don't concede an inch. We don't back up at all. Uh, the gospel is what this is all about. And uh, we want to tell as many people as we possibly can. And for Christians that are being persecuted or Christians that uh, are taking a hit because of their faith, uh, remember they did it to our Lord too. So if they're doing it to you, then rejoice and say, thank you, Lord, that I've been able to, to suffer just a little bit for you. And I think that's the way we as Christians need to look at it. Uh, we shouldn't say, oh, well, look at poor me. I'm being beat up. I think we rejoice. The Bible tells us to. And uh have the confidence knowing that we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Mm -hmm. And that's whether you're in the classroom, whether you're in the boardroom, mm -hmm. in your small business, yeah. there will be a time that we have to take a stand for Jesus, and it's going to be an unpopular stand. But why in this, why is the gospel so offensive? Because God is saying your, your works aren't good enough. 
And, and man doesn't want to be told that. Man wants to think that uh, we're good. We're, we're not a bad person. We're a pretty good person. God is saying, no, you're not. You're a sinner. And your, your sins separate the two of us. And your sins are a stench to my nostrils. Uh, God is saying that we're dirty. He's saying that we're filthy. And that we need forgiveness and we need cleansing by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And the gospel is offensive to, to people because, uh, first of all, they can't save themselves. People want to think that they can save themselves. We can't. Only Christ can save us. Uh, it's impossible for us to save ourselves. So that, that offends people. And when you tell a person that Jesus Christ took our sins to the cross and he shed his blood for our sins, that offends people. And that he was buried for our sins and he rose from the grave. Well, that, that offends people. Again, they want to do it on their own merit, their own human merit. And uh, for you to say that you can't do that, only God can do that for you, that offends them. Going back to the UK, what is your heart? Why, why, when we have so much going on in our country, what is your heart for the UK? Well, first of all, that's a part of the world where your grandfather, my father, invested a lot of his time right after the Second World War. And uh, he, was, he was opposed when he first went. I didn't know that when, uh, until we went there this weekend and I had learned that. I didn't realize he faced opposition oh, when he, he got had, off the boat. He had a lot of the Baptist and evangelical churches and the Anglican churches were against him. Having this young evangelist come to England to preach to them, they didn't like that. that and so they didn't want any part of it. And uh, my father came and, of course, um, I think he was there about six weeks in uh, Herringay arena, and it was packed overflow, and it had a huge impact on that country in that time. It was fun being there, listening to different uh, maybe pastors who were in that meeting with us, mm -hmm. and hearing their different stories of over the years. Many of them were young boys at the time when Daddy Bill first came over, and they went to his different meetings. And one guy showed up with his decision card that mm -hmm. he carries in his wallet that he made back in the 80s when Daddy Bill went. And he still carries that card of making his, uh, giving his life to Jesus that day. So many of the pastors today in the UK, lots of them, um, trace their their conversion or their ministries today back to your grandfather. So uh, we're grateful for that. But we're going back to the UK because I just feel in my heart this is something God has called us to do. And uh, we've got opposition and we're going to have a challenge in front of us. But uh, we need to pray that God will open those doors and... Um, and that he'll open a door that no man can shut. Mm. One other thing I thought you said was interesting this weekend was, you know, we've had some pastors who've offered their property and their churches, their bigger churches, to hold the meetings. And what was your response to holding it at a Christian church? Well, I'm opposed to that, Sissy, because Eastern Europe, the Russians, under communism, Churches wanted to have uh, an outside event. Even even in China today, they will not let you do that. You say they say, well, you can you have church property, then you preach on church property. You don't you don't you can't be in the public square. And if we get pushed, we will stand our ground. And um, and we we have the freedom of religion and and Great Britain, same as in this country. Uh, freedom of speech, and of course, freedom of speech is being challenged in many areas, not only in Europe, uh, but here in the U.S. A lot of universities now uh, support socialism, uh, Marxism. Uh, the Academy Awards was at the last night where somebody gave a shout out to Karl Marx. It just shows you how the entertainment industry, uh, how uh, 
they have been fooled uh, by by communism, and that's a big influence today uh, in our universities, uh, at least the socialism. But some of these uh, teachers and professors are, I think, uh, are teaching communism. And we saw what communism did to the church in Russia, in Eastern Europe, 70 years of oppression, pastors being imprisoned for speaking out, pastors being executed because of speaking out. And uh, that's happened in every communist country. And we're seeing where they're trying to muzzle the pastor in this country. As we are approaching the second anniversary of Daddy Bill going home to heaven, wanted to ask you a question. What is it you miss the most about Daddy Bill? Well, I, of course, there's so many things you miss, but um, I, I got into a routine over the last 20 years, and that's going to Montreat on Saturday or Sunday every weekend to go visit my mother and while she was alive, and then while Daddy was while he was still alive, every week when I was home, I would go down to see him. And you know, for years, we'd just sit around and talk, and he'd want to go for a walk. So we'd walk up behind the house up to where we have like a little maintenance shed or whatever. Then when it got difficult for him to walk, we sat around the, the kitchen table. And when we couldn't do that anymore, I sat beside him in the bed, uh, and we would talk. And then it got to the point where he couldn't talk. And so I just sat with him. And I'd turn the TV on. We'd watch a football game. And uh, sometimes he'd sleep, and sometimes he would... Uh, answer to questions, you know, a word or two. But I just miss that, that that relationship of having a chance to be with my father, to be with him in his presence. Um, and the week that he died, I was with him on Sunday, and um, he was cold. And I noticed his hands were shaking. And so I got a blanket put around him, and and uh, I said, are you cold, Daddy? And he he indicated, he, he said, uh. uh. So I put that blanket around him. Then I watched him for a few minutes, and then he his hands quit shaking. He, he, I said, Daddy, I'm going to be in Dallas, Texas all week, but I'll be back next Sunday, and I'll see you next Sunday. And uh, I love you. And when I was having breakfast at a hotel, and my phone rang, and I could tell the person that was calling me that, that time of day, uh, David Bruce, that it must be something about Daddy. And I answered the phone. He said, Frank, your father just went, went uh, to be with the Lord just a few minutes ago. So um, we certainly miss him, but yet uh, our work goes on. The, uh, you know, when people ask me after Daddy died, you know, what are you going to change about the Billy Graham Association? We're not changing nothing. We're going to keep doing what we've been doing. We're not going to change anything. We're going to keep preaching. We're going to keep telling men and women how they can have a relationship with God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Dad, and one last question, something I don't think I've ever asked you before, and maybe it doesn't have to be, the greatest thing you've learned, but what is something that sticks out in your mind that you learned from Daddy Bill, whether that was in ministry or family? What is it, something that you well, learned so that sticks things, out? Um, you know, I learned uh, how to run a board meeting. I learned how to deal with board of directors. Uh, just the, the business side of running of ministry, I'm just watching him all those years. But when it came to ministry, I asked Daddy once, uh, what do you do? I mean, how do you learn to preach? He looked at me, he said, son, you learn to preach by preaching. He said, every time you get an opportunity to preach, take it. If a church asks you to come, go. Uh, if you're invited to hold a meeting somewhere, go do it. He said, you learn to preach by preaching. And he's right. And, uh, and th- th- there's not a textbook that you can read to learn how to preach. There's not a, 
um, a formula. Uh, you learn it by doing it. And, uh, and that was uh, such a help to me. And he was always an encouragement. Um, but he just said, Frank, you just got to do it. Just get out there and do it. Well, one of the quotes, and I think of him, he was, he encouraged so many, but it was his courage that the courage of one man can stiffen the spines of many. And I've said that so many times. And I think that he was that for a generation. And dad, how thankful I am that you've set that example, that you have been that voice, you've been in that encouragement to so many in their faith and a generation that needs a voice of um, strength, but also always speaking in truth and in love and unashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Well, sister, we, we have just one life to live and um, moments of opportunity come and they go. And then one day you, you wake up and you realize, you know, where did the years go? Um, and I'm 67 and I've only got a few more years I can do this. And so I think it's important uh, for another generation uh, to encourage them to be faithful, to speak up, and not to compromise the Word of God. So many pastors are not sticking with the authority of the Scriptures, and we need to go with authority of the Scriptures. And there are pastors today who say they don't believe in the Old Testament, or it's not relevant, or whatever. Jesus preached from the Old Testament. Uh, the apostles preached from the Old Testament. And, and how dare somebody say that the Old Testament is not relevant? And that, but that's where we are today. And um, you know, I want to encourage young pastors to realize that the Bible's God's word from cover to cover. Don't understand it all, but I certainly believe it all. Thank you, Dad, for joining us today. And just want to encourage those who are listening as we're closing that as we talked about what we're facing in the United Kingdom with the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association and the tour that Dad is going to hold this summer, I want to encourage you all to be praying for my dad, to be praying for the staff, cover them in prayer. And my grandfather always said the three things that made a successful outreach. The first one was prayer. The second one was prayer. And the third one was prayer. So I encourage you to pray along with us as my dad goes to the UK this summer. Thank you for joining. I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. I was a